Welcome to the Coop Tank. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And I got to tell you something, people. You know, back when the pandemic happened, we uh, we did a lot of Zoom meetings. That's pretty much all we did because we couldn't go anywhere. And I met so many people in this networking group called Coffee with Cooper I ran. And my guest today I met, and it's funny, when I met him, well, when you meet people after being not seeing them in person, you don't know what, the, you don't know what they're going to look like. Like some people are short, some people are old, some people look, you know, Taller, my guest, man. Well, he's a, he's a sharp dresser because he's an image consultant. But he's Jack, man. He's got arms. I mean, if if I saw him outside, the way he dresses outside, like a a high end nightclub as a bouncer, I'd be like, okay, I, I gotta you know give this guy ten bucks to get in. But he was he's huge. He's a big guy, and you don't get that when you look at him. And it's great. And he's uh, he runs Gregory Jerome Image Consulting, and my guest is Gregory Jerome. How you doing, Gregory? I'm great, Steve, man. How's it going? Good. You know, it's funny, though. When I saw you, I was surprised. Have you always been a really big guy, or or did you start? I mean, has it all, or do you work out a lot? Or, I mean, you're, you're, you got some guns. Yeah, this is, this is all natural, man. I've, I've always been a fairly athletic guy. Uh, I actually used to be bigger. Um, here recently, I've, I've, I've lost uh, about 32 pounds. So I'm a little bit lighter than the first time you've seen me. Now, for being an image consultant, was it harder for you to dress because you dress very sharp? Was it harder to dress when you're that much bigger? Because I would think that it's it's hard to get clothes or they're probably more expensive because there's a lot more material. Yeah. So, like, for me, when, when I was growing up, like, I've always been in the retail space. Um, but it wasn't until I really, like, when I got out of college where I was really in tune to the proper fitting clothes for my body type and how that made a difference than, you know, me being a big guy, especially with being a barrel chest and, you know, these 36 inch pythons I got, um, <laughs> being able to get the right shirts to fit. So it doesn't have like the extra fabric under, under the armpit and, and on the sides by the torso, just being able to, to, to understand like the proper fitting for my clothes. Uh, made it a lot better for me uh, because sometimes you get clothes and it's just they're just too big and they make you look even bigger. See, I, I was a guy of the '80s, so we always wore stuff baggy, so it didn't make a difference. You know, it was one of those things. Like in the '80s, it was that whole new wave English thing. We wanted to be like Euro trash, so we wear like the baggy stuff, <laughs> and that was the whole look. So it was cool. So you know, I we've talked before. You have a, you have a great story about how you've gotten to where you got. But before we get into that, tell the listeners. What exactly is Gregory Image, uh, Gregory Jerome Imaging? Uh, what 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 is what is your company's exact profile? Yeah, so I think the the best way to kind of go into this is helping them understand who I am first, and then understanding what the company does. So as an individual, I'm a I'm a motivated, ambitious, enthusiastic creative, and I'm. My background comes from about 20 years experience in the luxury retail space, as well as the mental and behavioral health industry. So basically I've combined those two, I've married those two, fashion psychology. And so now uh, I've, I've created a new title for myself. I call myself a sartorial brand specialist. And so what I do now is provide organizations and individuals, um, providing them on how to uh, go in the direction of fostering a healthy, healthier work culture, uh, employee retention, productivity, increased vitality, all these different aspects, but also home in on the holistic approach 
uh, dealing with metaphysics of color to help empower people to be uh, more successful in their personal and professional careers. So where does the fashion come into that? Because I know you're a very fashionable guy. How does how does that blend into what you do? Because I know that's some of your background uh, is, as you said, is fashion. How does the fashion blend into what you do when you go? Let's say you go into a, a big corporation or you've worked with big companies. Where How right. do you attack them? Do you look at people and say, you know, well, he's dressed like a dick or he's dressed like something. Yeah. I mean, how, do, how do you how do you what do you do when it comes to that? Yeah. So I'll give you I'll give you an example. I did a seminar for PSENG or Pico, sorry. It was for Pico, uh, PSG was another time, but this moment was Pico for their women's uh, month event that they had back in March. And everybody was on the call from entry level to executives, everybody was there. Um, so they brought me in basically to really come in and provide guidance to people. It wasn't really an individual thing. It was as a a whole for for as a team structure dynamic to create that active engagement to help them understand what are the parameters of creating a polished brand image as a professional. Like, what does that in, incorporate? Does that you know? It, it went from proper fitting, what colors to select. Uh, how to use those colors, uh, how to boost confidence, um, being able to use uh, the like the garments that you select. What is the image? What is the brand? So it's really helping these organ organizations identify you know, their brand image from internal to external to an overall holistic approach. Okay, now I want to get to how you've gotten here. I know, no, your background. I know we had talked before. Your background was uh, you were involved in music for a while, right? You were you were a dancer. Yeah. Or you were in music. Tell me about that, because it's it's very you're 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 someone like me. You know, we always when you're creative, you always find something, and then then you know, you love it, and then you find something else. And but you can always use your creativity to advance yourself. Tell me about when you were dancing or in the music business i know i'm not sure exactly what you do but tell me about that and then how that and then get into the story about los angeles and coming out here and just that you we know the, the motorcycle accident we know all that but tell me about the music all right so the music the mo the music portion started actually um at an adolescent uh I, I used to write poetry uh as a kid it was is my outlet it was my my safe haven basically during you know the, the troubled times that i've experienced at that age. It wasn't until I was in high school where I literally, I wrote my first song to Outkast, Elevators, the instrumental. Remember they used to come out with the cassette tapes. You have the, the instrumental version on one side and then like they have like the single on the other side. So I would use, I used to use those instrumentals and write music. So I, I started writing my, I wrote my first song to Outkast, performed it for a friend. And he was like, man, you got something. And so I started to venture into that. Um, later in life, in college, I went to explore more into the music industry. Uh, I went to Middle Tennessee State University uh, in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Was, it is one of, it is the number one music university in the South. Uh, so I went there for music. That's where I really got my career started. Uh, I went there for recording industry major, which is called the RIM program. 
And at that point, that's when I started to really get more into my poetry, homing in on my music. And I started touring actually when I was in college. So I was open up for national recording artists when I was in college, anywhere from John Legend, Chrisette Michelle, uh, Bone Thugs and Harmony, uh, The Roots, uh, while I was in college. And so that's where my career kind of really took off. Uh, and it was awesome, man. Uh, so I, my music is based around what I call conscious hip hop, uh, but I utilize it with different genres of music. So I did cross collaborations with live bands, anywhere from soul, rock and roll, acoustic. I even performed with an orchestra before, Oklahoma Philharmonic, uh, and just tying those elements of like hip hop and culture into it. So from the music, how does the fashion begin? You know, you ended up you were ended up in LA. Is that is that what happened? So the the interesting thing about the fashion, as when I was in college, I was actually a store manager at Wilson's Leather. Oh wow! I remember. Uh, I, I you'll like this. I had I had was it Wilson's or Berman's? Once again, my '80s Euro trash look. I had the <laughs> I had the full length leather overcoat, and I had a leather suit, and I and I wore and I still remember I wore the leather pants with a with a white turtleneck to the NXS concert in Philadelphia, and I got hammered, and I rode my Fiero into a telephone pole. That's what oh. I'm talking about. That's the 80s for you. <laughs> man, uh, tough times, man, tough times. <laughs> so you see- so, uh, so the fashion the fashion actually is, has always been there for me. At 16, I got my first, my first job. I was selling sneakers out of foot action. And it went, it went from there, went from selling sneakers to then working at Dillard's, selling men's shoes, women's shoes. Then it went to apparel and I've just graduated. So I work for companies like Perry Ellis. I've worked for Nike. I've worked for Coach. I've, and, and currently right now I've, I've worked with Louis Vuitton. And so the fashion has always been there. So my, when we talk about authenticity, for me, there's three pillars. There's the music and there's the community engagement of what I do, a lot of educational programming, arts education uh, based around music itself and to underserved communities. And then also with fashion. So those are my three pillars, music, community, and fashion. So it's always been a running thing for me. So nothing is not organic about me at this point. I've always just dabbled in it and it's been my thing. You know, as a creative, you explore. But the thing for me as being a creative, I want to make sure that I can utilize my gifts, my skills, my talents into these and my passions into whatever chapter or what industry I'm in. It all because it all runs together. They all align. Music, fashion, it goes together. As a performer, I have to dress. I have to present myself. There was a there was a culture. So, I mean, when you think about it, when you think about Van Halen, like what did they look like, right? What did Metallica look like when they perform, or what does BB King look like when he performed? So it's all a, it's all uh, what I like to call uh, it's a costume. So it's being able to utilize those things in a fashionable sense. So fashion has always been in my DNA. I just wasn't as focused on it as I was with the music when I was coming up. Now life has changed for me new chapter now it's me more focused on the fashion 
versus the music. Now, how did you how did you get to Philly? I know I know you you went through a hard time. Did did, did you move into Philly come first, or did the, the motorcycle accident come first? Motorcycle accident came first. Okay, now tell me about that and how that changed your life. So I was I was working in El Segundo at Joseph A. Bank as a wardrobe consultant. I was there for five months. Um, I had just I had just came out of like a tough time. So I was in a, a living transition, living transition. And five months on a job, got into a motorcycle wreck, post diagnosed with post-concussion syndrome, um, went to go see a bone specialist, I had to see a neuropsychologist um, and then also go through physical therapy. Uh, at this time, I was on temporary disability and temporary disability wasn't paying my bills. So ultimately what happened was me going through treatment and trying to live uh, put me in a position of being homeless. So I was homeless and I was I was just looking for a new, I was looking for a new direction, Steve, of like, where's my life gonna go? What's happening? What what is the new cycle? And I utilized what came to me was like you have to figure it out. Uh, so I utilized the temporary disability money that I was getting, and I used it to actually purchase either bus tickets or a flight to go visit family and friends. <laughs> so I disguised it like this: I called it a family and friends tour on social media because everybody is know know me for traveling because of music. And, and that's what I used to do. So people knew it. So I disguised it by creating a family and friends tour after the wreck, because it was epiphany of like, Hey man, like you need to do something new and different in life because you almost died. You could have died. Let me interrupt you. Why did you disguise it? Did you, because you had the image, you had the ego, because I know a lot of times people make titles or they, they bullshit and it's nothing. And I think a lot of times, once again, you know, when I talk to creatives, creatives, we're very sensitive, we're insecure. That's why we get on stage to try to get the, uh, the light. But why did you disguise it? Just because you, you were ashamed or you just sat there and went, you know, I just, I don't want people to worry. I mean, what was your mind focus right then? Couple of things. Uh, one is definitely the shame. Uh, I didn't want people to, because even before, even before I became homeless, I was a very successful person. Uh, people can research me. I'm in news articles. I'm on TV interviews. I'm on everything before, like before coming to Philadelphia or even being in LA. Like I was a very successful individual. I, I used to live in a condo. I used to drive a Mercedes Benz. I had all of those things. So now all those things are taken away. So now I feel in 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 a sense of, you know, shame, regret, depression, like all these different things, all these emotional things are happening right now. Number two, didn't want people to be have too much concern about me and pride. Like I didn't want to ask anything. Uh, so I had to figure I, I believe I needed to weather this storm on my own in order to build character and strength and courage and things like that. So after the motorcycle wreck, I did the tour. I ended up in Philadelphia. Uh, during this point of time, I really became more grounded in, in spirituality. And so there was things that I would talk to the universe about or God, whatever people want to title it. Uh, but I found, I found my 
my Zen space. What were, what were some of the things you talked about? So the things that helped me really to identify and listen to the messages of what direction to go to is, uh, I used to do a lot of visualization of creating the world that I wanted to be in. Like the things that I wanted to resonate with, the way I wanted to look, the apartment I wanted to live in, um, places I wanted to work, the kind of people I wanted to be around, like all these different things. Um, and then just being able to ground myself there. There was also affirmations I used to do, uh, but also putting in the work with those affirmations because you have to have action as well. You can't just put something out and expect it just to come. So you have to put work in. So I put in the work to do it. So those are some of the techniques and strategies I use to ground myself and to come with a clearer vision of where I wanted to go. And when I when I arrived in Philadelphia, the the message or the angel or the on my shoulder or these sacred messages, whatever you want to call them, like it spoke to me. And it was in Philadelphia was the place. So I relocated to Philadelphia while being homeless. Um, but Prior to relocating here, I was here visiting and I had to leave. I had two days before my, my flight had to leave to go back. And I woke up one morning and I started doing research on like the, the most upscale men's retail space to be in. And I found a place in Rittenhouse Square. And it was a custom clothier space, uh, a space that I wanted to really educate myself in um, and become better. So I did a cold call to this place. And I, at the time I had one good suit on me. It had a hole in the crotch. The fabric was kind of like unraveling under the arms, uh, but I pressed my suit and I went in confident into this interview that was arranged one day prior for me leaving. And I presented my resume. The guy complimented me on my suit, believe it or not, um, which was great. And my shoes, uh, which were like, not that expensive. Uh, but they look great and uh, it was a great presentation, number one. So had that conversation, went back to LA, couple of phone calls later, they fly me from Los Angeles to Philadelphia, in-person interview with the owner. Two weeks later, I returned back to my Airbnb in LA and they hire me. They send me an offer letter. I jump on a Greyhound bus with everything that I own, which were three boxes and came to Philadelphia three days on a Greyhound bus. What is and that I started like? work. What happened? That must suck. It was, listen, I've gotten to a place, at that point, I was in a place where I was just thankful because I could still be looking for a job. I could still be trying to figure things out in life, but I had an opportunity. So I was, I was excited about the opportunity. So for me, Whatever it takes to get to where it needs to get to, I'm going to do it. It doesn't have to be always comfortable. And comfortability, it hurts sometimes. Uh, because sometimes it's better to go through the fire and come out. So I was just going through the fire, but I was going through the fire in a, in a place of just being grateful for an opportunity to even get my life back together. Because I didn't know where it was going to go. So got here five months before the pandemic. That's November 2019. Uh, which is now coming up on like, what, three years now, almost, um, being in on this side of the world. And I started working and five months later, pandemic came and it kind of like shifted my whole world again because I wasn't even, I wasn't stable. 
I didn't have a place to live. I was still living out of Airbnb, kind of like a paycheck to paycheck, trying to build my credit so I could get my own place. Like it was, it was a struggle, man. It was mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. Like it was a struggle. So, okay. So the pandemic comes because, you know, when you're working at a place where you're, you're dealing with customers, when you're in high end clothery, you know, you have people coming in and all of a sudden that disappears. So you're sitting there. I mean, what, what kept you focused? You know, we can all say, I mean, the one thing about the pandemic is a lot of people didn't say, you know, we were scared. You know, cause, I mean, and, and the funny thing is we grow up in a society where people won't say, oh, you know, you can't admit you're scared. But but a lot of us were scared. And I think I think a lot of us came together during the pandemic. The one upside is. But for you, I mean, you're sitting there, you're in this new you're trying to build yourself. And then and all of a sudden shit just stops. So yeah. how do you you know, you're, you're from talking to you, I've talked to you many times. You're you're a survivor. You're you're thinking in your head. What is your game plan when you hear? First of all, when the pandemic happened, a lot of us thought it would only be like eh, a month or two, you know. But so, what? Mm-hmm. Take me through the steps of you starting your own business as we're going through a pandemic where we don't know what the fuck is happening. Right. So I so during that time, the pandemic, we. I was still working for the company I came to work for. I was only making $7 and 25 cents an hour at that time. And I needed to figure out a new way to do something. Uh, wasn't sure what it was. Uh, there was there was a relationship that I had built with a guy named Steve Jameson. He owns a shoe store in Philly on 18th and Chestnut called Blue Soul Shoes. And we had developed a relationship and he needed some help because his his people kind of left during the pandemic. So I went to work part time, working 90 hours a, a month, only making a thousand dollars a month. Um, but I was like, I get you know, what what am I doing? What am I going to do? And I wasn't able to uh, be approved for. Uh, well, my mind went blank. Um, Unemployment, I didn't get unemployment. And so I had to like figure out something. So there on on my um, social media feed, there was an opportunity for an entrepreneurship hackathon that was hosted by the city of Philadelphia, Thomas Jefferson University and Jefferson Health. And I found out 24 hours before the deadline for this thing. And I submitted an application, a questionnaire. And I... (laughs) I submitted this application, Steve, but it was the wrong application. <laughs> I answered the wrong question at, at the deadline date. So I con- so I contact I contact support help and I let them know the situation. So they was graceful, they was gracious enough to give me the, the actual questionnaire that I needed, the application I needed to submit. So I submitted it. So once again, I'm thankful for this opportunity because it could not have gone this way. So I fill it in. Two days later, they let me know that I'm a finalist. And now I have 24 hours to put together a presentation for uh, these judges. So in my mind, we're creating this new opportunity. This business was all based around how do I empower people and how do I help society from a financial aspect, businesses to help generate more revenue for them as well. So how can I do a, a impact to people and business community? So I created Gregory Jones Image Consultant and put in those points in the presentation of how this works for the individuals. 
And after my presentation, I was selected as a, a runner up and they awarded me as an entrepreneur, um, award-winning entrepreneur and, and granted me a couple of thousand uh, dollars and a laptop to start my business. And it just, I just dove in it. You know, I didn't have, I didn't have a huge network here. I didn't know a lot of people. Um, so I just launched it on, on the whim of this is what I'm passionate about and I'm going to do it because I want to help empower people as well as myself. Now, how did you start building your network? I know you were on Grover Salt, my friend Grover Silcox's show, you know, Teresa, and I met you through the chamber. But how does someone who is coming from an area where they don't really know anybody, okay, and it's the middle of a pandemic, so it's not like you, it's not like you get to go to live events. How did you start building your network, and how important has networking been to your success? So for me, the strategy that I used in the beginning was LinkedIn. LinkedIn and seeing people that I believe that I resonated with may had commonalities going in the same direction. We complement one another. And I would just reach out to them directly to see if they'll be interested and willing to arrange a time to have a conversation. And so little by little, I start to meet people individually. And then people would invite me to go to networking events. And it would just, it just started to grow like that. And the content that I would put on my LinkedIn is what gravitated people towards me, which was fashion was one thing, but what really had people to gravitate towards me is me telling my personal story. That was the most important aspect of networking for me is being authentic and genuine within who I am and what my experiences are, were and are. And that's how people were attracted to me because they were inspired by my story. People, people coming to me based off of my story versus my styling skills, to be honest. You know, they see the work that I do, but I think it's the relationship that people have gained trust just by the things I've been able to express openly and willingly on LinkedIn. Because, you know, when you're vulnerable and you have integrity and you have passion, those things are noticeable, even if you don't know anyone. And those, those exude more than anything else. And so for me, that's the, that's the way that I've learned even throughout my, my life of living in new places and building new relationships with people is just going out and just doing it. Like not being afraid of who you are and just like, just do the work. And it eventually comes. You have to have patience, but it eventually comes. Now, as you're, as, as you're getting a bigger network, tell me some of the things that are happening. I know, as I said, you were on Grover Silcox, uh, this, the show um, Counterculture, which I got scheduled for because I've known him for years, and then, the, and then it got canceled. I was like, damn it, I wanted to talk to Grover. But tell me some <laughs> of the stuff that you were getting involved with because I know you've, you've, you've done a lot of speaking. You've, you've, you've gotten to some groups. I know you've gotten some awards. Tell me some of the stuff that started when you made this, this change, when you actually felt like your back was against the wall, and then you get the 24-hour deadline, and then you get the break because they give you the right, even though they gave, you felt the wrong thing. It's sort of like an epiphany. You, you know you're going in the right direction. So you're gaining this traction. Tell me some of the stuff that happened, the positive stuff that happened during right after that. And tell me some negative stuff that happened because always with the positive, we have negative. Yeah. 
So the the I'll start I'll start with the the negative things that was happening in in this space. Um, being new to an area where you really have a very tight niche community, uh, where people known each other for a lifetime, and uh, the culture of this community is is very I'll say closed off to newcomers. So that was that was a negative thing of not really being feel like like I was accepted um, to this these communities and just being involved. So that played a, a a negative impact on you know why anybody let me play in their sandbox? Like why why can I be invited to to hang out? Why why people are not staying in con constant contact, etc. So those are some negative things that happen. Um, moving i had to move around a little bit to to continue to try to survive so you know maybe i'm here for two weeks at this place and then you know another two weeks i'm at a different airbnb so it was it was a lot of you know moving around trying to find my footing uh but the positive things that started to happen for me was people did start to notice who i was and appreciate what the value that i brought um so the outreach, uh, people inviting me to certain things, accepting me. So then it like then it starts to kind of change during this process as I continue to grow within it. Um, being able to have the opportunities to be a part of uh, like these speaking engagements, I've had opportunities to be a part of working with the Philadelphia uh, Public Relations Association, doing presentations with Temple, doing seminars for PICO, PSENG. Uh, working with these high profile clients during this time. Like those are the positive things that happened for me. Uh, and just in personally, just being able to continue to grow as a person um, with that resiliency and, and being able to enlighten myself and educate myself on how to become better as a person. So it was a lot of personal development and also professional development because I came into this not knowing anything about business in a sense. So now it's me really finding my footing and getting the support that I need. Um, so things are coming together. And with that being said is now I'm in a space of letting nature take its course, but also doing my due diligence and action to help it, those things come to fruition. It's it's so funny you talk about being included because you know for me, I was, I'm from Cherry Hill, but I was on the West Coast and I was away for 25 or 26 years. And when I came back, I felt the same thing that you did. You know, you go to an event. I remember the first event I went and I was working for a, a restoration company, cleaning and restoration. And and I met a lady who was working for a comp competitor. Well, I'm, I, this nice guy, this ambassador, I think his name was Rick Horner, introduced me to people. You know, he took me out of the ring. I went to a chamber thing. And then she just like walked away and she found out what I did. And then another person I met at an event I was talking to and they were just like, you know, too cool for school for me, and I'm like, you don't, you don't know my background, you don't know, right. you know, and, and it's just funny, and and it's weird because once you break that, that that uh, that whatever the the click, you don't you don't want to be in that click. You want to go out like that's why I formed you know Coffee or Cooper. You want to go and form your own group, like mm -hmm. you said, with people like who get gravitated towards on LinkedIn. You want to find people who are you know creative. Integrity. I mean, you mentioned all the things, authentic, integrity, you know, creative. That's what I look for people. And I, I think, you know, and that's one thing that came from the pandemic. And, you know, because we've been in breakout rooms together and, and you've been in my group that you really you really got to find those people. And, and I think mm -hmm. and I think everyone got stronger. And I think it helped. I helped. I think it helped the real people like you and myself, our businesses during that time. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because the thing, the thing about now is authenticity is, is what everybody's looking for right now. And a lot of people don't know how to find it, but it's all within. So it's, it's understanding what your internal is, whatever that mission is, whatever your belief system, moral values, standards, et cetera. And then how does that play from the exterior of what your image is, how people perceive you, what do you engage with? What do you support? What are you involved with? And then that also comes to equals out to what your purpose should be in life. And that's how you develop that authenticity of an individual. Because now you're comfortable and confident in everything that you do. And that's the space that I've arrived to at this point because I've been through so much, so many challenges and you know, new communities and environments. Like it, it really morphed me into something, a brand new person, but also morphed my businesses into something totally different as well. Because now I'm seeing where the need really is where it's come from me really doing B2C, working with individuals to help them individually. But now I can become like a black Jesus and talk to the masses when I go to these organizations and help numerous of people versus just one person. And so those, that's that creative space of like, well, how can I do this better? How can I be more efficient and effective? And that's the continual growth of what I've been able to do uh, with my business. So now with the business, I've created two different teams and we offer wellness uh, seminars for executives, small and mid-sized and major organizations based around creativity, expression, mindfulness, and then sartorial brand styling. So here's a question for the listeners. Let's say you are clueless on style. Okay, now I know style comes from, you create your own style. Like you dress very nice. I have my own look. I, I, people always, if I don't wear a hat, they go, oh, where's your hat? You know, we all have our thing. But what would, what would your advice be for someone who's sitting there and says, you know what? I just don't like the way I look. How can someone learn style or, or is it just inert and you can be coached to pull that out? What is your thought about that? There's, there's, a, there's two, there's two. There's two ways. So you can create it yourself or you can be inspired. First thing is when you think about self, you have to think about what, what is your background, number one? What is, what is the culture? Where did you come from? What is your belief systems? What is traditions in your culture? Because everybody has their own culture and traditions. Some people are Italian, some people are Ethiopian, some, some, you, know, you got all these different things. So how can you utilize that same culture until what you wear today? That could be using flag colors uh, to represent your culture. Um, the other thing I would say is understand your body type to get the proper fitting clothes. That's the most important thing that people fail to realize is ill-fitting clothes is the number one reason why people have these challenges of the style issue. It's because they don't understand body types. And then number two, what colors complement you? Dealing with your undertone, eye color, hair color, et cetera. And being able to utilize that to your advantage. 
so those are those are the two main foundational pieces I would say for somebody. And then when you when you really want to find that inspiration, you you can take fashion magazines, of course, home magazines, like interior design. You can see how they use colors, fabrics, textures, things like that. You can also use vacation magazines. You can find peers. So it's all about defining like, what do you, how do you see yourself, number one? Where, where do you see yourself now and where do you want to see yourself in five years, two years, whatever the case? Like, what do you want that presentation to be like? What do you, what do you want to attract? What people do you want to attract? You know, if you're dating, like what kind of woman do you want to attract? Because there's different women out here. Same thing for, you know, for the men, like there's different type of men. So what kind of men, men do you want to attract? So you have to be able to resonate in these spaces of what you want to become. So through this time, through your ups and downs, you know, you've traveled, you've been in a bad accident, you've recreated yourself, you've been homeless, you know, you, you, you went to an interview with a suit that had a hole in the crotch. You've been through a lot of stuff. What was kept, what has kept you going? What has kept you positive for the fact that, you know, what inside you kept you going? Because a lot of times people would say, you know, screw it. You know, I'm, I, I, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to retreat and, and find a job and be able to just pay for my rent and just live check to check. But what made you, what has kept you in the game? Is there one certain part of your personality or some one belief that has just kept you from not backing off? Because a lot of times people just give up. What has kept you in the game? Legacy. Explain. For me, when when I leave uh, this earth in a physical form, I want to make sure that what I leave behind, that it's impactful, that it empowers people, that it uplifts people, uh, and continue to do that after I'm gone. And being able to um, be resilient enough to overcome these things to provide that same hope and direction for other people um, is is my thing because I believe I have a purpose. I have a purpose of why I was born and why I was created in the things that I went through. So that's number one, it's understanding what your purpose is in life. Why are you here? Uh, so that's, that's my name, that's my number one thing. Um, I've sacrificed a lot, I've lost a lot in life. Um, you know, example is, 19 years old, I lost a, I lost a son. He was five months old. First time I see my son was in the, in a casket. Like people don't know about that, but that's one of the things I had to overcome. It took me 20 years to overcome that. But now that I've overcame that, now I get to have conversations with other men who has gone through the same experience, right? So that's part of my purpose. That's why I had to go through what I went through. And that's the same thing today with the homelessness. Now I'm able to have conversations with people who's gone through homelessness and provide them with that inspiration that they can overcome it and become better. You know, they can gain the things they want because now I'm at the highest platform that I've ever been in my life with a brand new developing apartment, you know, in a nice community, um, working with the type of clientele. So it's, it's being able to, to home in on that legacy 
and understand what your purpose is in life and how do you utilize that? So I've learned how to utilize all my skills, gifts, and talents in order to make that impact. No matter what chapter I am in my life, I've always contributed to it. And that's what I'm gonna continue to do. One final question. Where, what do you see in your future, Gregory Jerome? What, is, what, do you, what, do you plan, what do you plan to conquer in the next few years? Because, you know, you're a guy who gets out, he seeks, he conquers, he destroys, he kicks ass. What, what, what do you see? Where, where do you want to be in, let's say, two or five years? I mean, it's something that, you know, you're always working on a plan. What do you see as your future? For my future, um, I see two books. I also see myself being a international speaker based around uh, courage redefined to help empower people. Um, I also see in the future of releasing my own style line, uh, my garments. I would like to create a brand uh, that people can wear just like Nike. You know, people believe in it. Uh, so that's what I do because I want to leave something that people can wear and feel empowered in. That's, that's going to be the basis for me. So that's, that's my vision. That's my vision is, is to launch um, a program uh, that organizations can utilize to help them uh, with their work culture and empowering their employees uh, and create that program. That way other people can go out and teach the same thing as well. Well, that's awesome, man. I want to thank you for coming on. Now, how can people how can people get in touch with you? I know your website is, I mean, the, I always love when I email you, it was the Gregory Jerome. I love that. Like, if I said the Steve Cooper, I sound like a dick. But he says the Gregory Jerome because he's got the extra syllables. You know, Steve Cooper, Gregory <laughs> Jerome. It's no, how can people, uh, how can people get in touch with you and, and, and tell your website, all that good stuff? Yeah. So people can find me on the website, the Gregory Jerome, T H E. G-R-E-G-O-R-Y-J-E-R-O-M-E.com. And then all social media platforms, Gregory Jerome. And that's where you can find me. So people, please follow him. You can go to uh, hear my show, my past episodes. I've had some great guests. You can hear past episodes at the Coop Tank, thecooptank.podbean.com, or go to Amazon Music. I, uh, Spotify or iHeartRadio and just look up The Coop Tank. Also, you can email me at thecooptank at yahoo.com. Um, also, my other podcast where I interview a bunch of celebrities, everyone from Ed Asner to Stephen Van Zandt to David Duchovny, that's at coopertalk.net. You can uh, also contact me on that email, uh, cooper at coopertalk.net. And also, if you're looking to get coached on your interview process. I've done over a, a thousand interviews, people. I can help you out. And also, if you wanna sit there and get some good content, a good interview, I work with a, a studio that they're great, the guys are great, we can hook you up. You can get something recorded, I'll interview you, you know, 15 to 20 minutes, you put it on your uh, YouTube, you put it on your website, and you'll come out looking like a star. Because you'll be getting introduced by the same guy who introduced, uh, getting interviewed by the same guy who interviews Rock and Roll Hall of Famers. So anyway, I'm Steve Cooper. You're listening to The Coop Tank. I'll talk to you guys next time. 